what amazes me to you and I, we hear the birth of Jesus, we know all the stories of Jesus. We know the miracles he performed. We know all those stories. We know the disciples he brought together. We know he washed their feet. We know he healed people. We know he fed thousands of people. We know he died on a cross. We know he was resurrected. Simeon knows none of that at this point. But he knew what it meant for him that this baby had been born. Long lines and congested traffic are a small part of the many ways we will wait in this life. Mary and Joseph waited nine months for the birth of Jesus. Simeon waited his entire life to see God's Messiah. Anna the prophetess spent her life fasting and praying in the temple, waiting on God's chosen one to arrive. What do we do while we wait? Does God have more for us in our time of waiting? You have joined us for message number nine entitled Waiting Well of the series Luke the Gospel Truth. This is Faith Life and now Pastor Jared Arnett. Um, we are preaching through a, a book uh, of the Bible right now known as Luke, a gospel of Luke. It's a long chapter. We're in chapter uh, chapter 2 here, and we preached it starting at Thanksgiving into Christmas, and uh, we're in a passage here in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And we'll, let's just start by reading that scripture, if you will. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to read uh, about 16 verses here. So I got them on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Um, but let's read them to just get our hearts into this place. A reminder of the story Jesus has been born. Uh, he has been officially named uh, by Mary. And, um, and, and that leads us into this moment while they're at the temple in Jerusalem here in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, The child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet or prophetess, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue 
Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Amen. It's the passage for this morning. Uh, two interesting characters here in Simeon and Anna. Um, as uh, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple, and they're still fulfilling the laws and obligations of the Jewish faith, and, uh, and they're there. And Simeon, uh, an old man who the Bible says was late in his years, but the Holy Spirit had talked to him and said, you're not going to die until you meet the Messiah. And, and on that day, the Holy Spirit had led him to be in the temple, and he was there, and he saw Jesus and immediately knew the Holy Spirit let him know, this is the Messiah. And, uh, and, and so it's an interesting thing with Simeon as he's looking there and he's doting over the baby. And he tells Mary and Joseph, it says Mary and Joseph was amazed. They marveled again at what someone was saying about their baby. Same time, Anna is there and it says that she was also waiting and she was 84 years old. She was a widow and uh, she was faithful. She served, she worshiped. And when she saw Simeon interacting with Jesus, she began to get joyful and celebrate and praise God as well and told all the other people. Today we're going to talk about uh, waiting well. This is a lot of scripture. Could have gone a lot of different ways. This is just as I prayed about it. Uh, this is, this is the, what the Spirit brought out uh, to me that I want to share with you. Uh, is how do we wait well? How do we wait well? Uh, well, yesterday... I share, we were over at a store uh, here in town, and Bethany and I had walked in, and we have a 14-year-old daughter, Rosalind, and a, a five-year-old son, Harker, and uh, they stayed in the, in the van while we were in one of the stores, and, and I get a FaceTime from Rosalind, and she says, Dad, come get your son. <laughs> uh, y'all know, y'all got that call before, some of you dads out there? Dad, come get your son, and, uh, and I was looking on FaceTime, and this is basically what I saw. And so, you know, there's no reason to, to clean the snow off the top of the van when you clean it off. Just the windshields, unless you have a five-year-old boy who loves to open the sunroof. <laughs> and so it, he had stayed buckled up and calm and patient as long as he could. And Rosie was being super patient, but she had gotten to the end of it. And, and so he had opened the sunroof, and about six inches of snow fell into the middle of the van. And so this is uh, much to us. Um, like our life and how we want to deal with waiting. Very few of us wait well, right? Very few of us wait well. In life, we all do it, though. We're waiting. What do we wait for? You name it. We wait in line. We wait at stop signs. We wait at red lights. Most of us, the majority of our life, in coal run, waiting at a traffic light if you drive in and through there very often uh, we wait on friends we wait on a text back we wait on a call back we wait to hear a report uh, from a, a medical procedure we wait for opportunities we're waiting for God to show us clarity we're waiting for the next season of life we're waiting to graduate we're waiting to for the promotion, we're waiting to retire, we're waiting to have kids. We're, like, we're, we're always kind of in this season of waiting. We know the sayings like, good things come to those who wait. We know the sayings that says, some things are worth waiting for. And, and this whole, this verse, when the, 
as every time it mentions waiting, that Greek word for that, when you go look it up, it really means to wait with expectation. When you're waiting, it, it includes some expectation, right? Like when you're waiting at a, in a line, you're expecting eventually it's going to be my turn, hopefully. Unless you're at the DMV. Is that usually where people get the most frustrated? Um, or if you're waiting in a traffic light, you're expecting eventually that it's going to turn green and you're going to get your turn and you're going to get uh, to go. And so what was Simeon here is I ask you some, this, this, uh, this thought that Simeon, is there something in your life worth waiting your entire life for? Simeon had waited his entire life for this thing. Now, some of us, if someone said, I'm going to give you $10 million, but you've got to wait until you're 85, right? You, you would have some anticipation toward that. I'm going to you wait till you're 95 or wait till you're some age, and, and you think you're going to get there, and you just wait your whole life for it. But Simeon here had waited his entire life to meet the Messiah, to look at him. Face to face. And it's incredible to me that, that when he sees Jesus, he says some things that are, that are clear here that hasn't really been said yet in the Gospel according to Luke. While, while Mary and Joseph have been excited and know he's Messiah, I think there's still, it's not clear even the shepherds knew that he wasn't just coming to rescue Israel from occupation of Rome, that he was coming to the whole, uh, the whole world. And here for the first time, Simeon, he, he, he says it point blankly. He says, this is salvation until all the nations. I think that probably got Mary and Joseph like, wait, what is happening here? Who is our son really? What does this really mean? As I think of Simeon, I don't know if you've ever gotten up early at the beach or somewhere and waited for a sunrise. For Simeon, his whole life had been darkness. And this day, on that time, at that temple, the sun rose. And it was the most beautiful thing he had ever seen. One poet wrote it like this in the mind of Simeon. Could have said, I fear no sin, I dread no death. I have lived long enough. I have my life. I have longed enough. I have my love. I have seen long enough. I have my light. I have served enough. I have my saint. I have sorrowed enough. I have my joy. Sweet babe, let this psalm serve as a lullaby to thee and for a funeral for me. Oh, sleep in my arms and let me sleep in thy peace. This would have been the mind of Simeon. What amazes me, see, you and I, we hear the birth of Jesus. We know all the stories of Jesus. We know the miracles he performed. We know all those stories. We know the disciples he brought together. We know he washed their feet. We know he healed people. We know he fed thousands of people. We know he died on a cross. We know he was resurrected. Simeon knows none of that at this point. But he knew what it meant for him that this baby had been born. 
What does it mean to wait well? What does it mean to wait well? How do we wait like Simeon and Anna? So we're going to look at four things I think they did, they did well. We're going to learn from them, okay? Anybody in a season of waiting right now? Nobody. Everybody. All right, every hand should be up. You're waiting for something. Just think, man, if I can just get through this, if I can get through this snowstorm, waiting for the sunshine. Hey, it's supposed to be 62 one day this week. Some of y'all prayed just right, and it's coming. Um, and, and so we're all waiting for something. So how do we wait well? How do we get in the middle of that and wait well? And so we're going to look at just a few things here. In Luke 2.25, we see that, that, uh, that Simeon is eagerly waiting. This is like an extra... It's not just waiting. He is waiting with anticipation, eagerly, every day, watching, waiting in anticipation. Um, and, it, and it says that he was righteous and devout. He was righteous and devout. I want to say this. Waiting well means growing spiritually. Are you with me for a minute? Waiting well means in the middle of the waiting, you are growing you are growing spiritually. You see, waiting isn't necessarily an action. It's more of a mindset. You know, you can't wait on, like, I'm going to actively wait. I don't know how you do that. Like, you could do things while you wait. In your mindset, you know the lines get removed, but you, you get on your phone or you're talking to somebody, you do something. So waiting is really a mindset. So I want you to realize that in this mindset of while you are waiting, you should be growing spiritually. One author said it like this, Remember, waiting isn't just about what you're hoping for at the end of the wait, but also about what you will become as you wait. God has something for you even in this challenging season. It says he was righteous and devout. He had grown spiritually over these years, his lifetime as he waited. He had a, had a hunger to grow spiritually, and this idea that he was righteous and devout shows that he was committed. He was, he was studying God's Word. He was praying. He was talking with God. He was growing more and more like Jesus and, and being as much like Him as he could be. And as we're waiting, there's something you can absolutely do, and it is grow spiritually. As we're waiting, we should grow spiritually. Romans 3, 5 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You're listening to Faith Life with Pastor Jared Arnett from New Beginnings Fellowship Church in Pikeville, Kentucky. This is message number nine of the series, Luke, the Gospel Truth. Let's continue listening as Pastor Jared Arnett continues his message on the spiritual growth of waiting well. So, what can you do in the midst of waiting? Grow spiritually. Dig into God's Word. Study it more. Pray to be more like Him. Uh, surround yourselves with spiritually strong friends. Uh, you can do all these things in the midst of waiting, and we find that that is one way that Simeon waited well. It also says, when he, when he saw Jesus, he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. 
as you've promised. I've seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of the people of Israel. Here Luke records Simeon calling himself a servant. Pretty simple. So if we're going to wait well, first we're going to grow spiritually. Second, we're going to serve faithfully. We're going to serve faithfully. He worked at whatever was before him. In Colossians 3, Paul writing to the church of Colossians, Whatever you do, do it with all your might, as unto the Lord. Do you remember that, that verse? So, so what we can realize is while we're waiting, and, and we know that it is a, it, strength comes to those who wait upon the Lord. A waiting is a mindset, not necessarily an action and a sitting in the recliner waiting for God to do the work. You've got to balance that across the scripture. Balance is the waiting and the mindset that I, God's provision and success in this is His. I cannot change that. I cannot change the outcome. But I am called to serve faithfully, to work, to do whatever, whatever is in front of me. Ephesians, uh, and, and so in serving, we can serve in all kinds of different ways. Yes, yes, sign up to serve in kids' ministry. Sign up to make coffee at church. But serve your workplace well. Serve, be a light of good news at the hospital or at the bank or the classroom or the school with your colleagues. Serve your colleagues, your co-workers well. Serve your family well. Serve your spouse well. It says he was a servant of Ephesians 4, what Paul writing to that church. He just said, do something useful with your hands. That's even to retired people. Uh, here you think you've moved on to a new season of life. You have transitioned. You are not retired. God still has purpose and work for you. And there's opportunity to serve faithfully. First Peter 4, he says it like this. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you have received a gift. A spiritual gift. He says, as each of you have received a gift, use it to serve one another. It's not like a Christmas gift that you get to open and enjoy for your own self. It's a gift God has given you to work through you to reach people around you, to serve one another. It means it's important to know your gift so you can use it well. It says, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Galatians 6, 9. Paul writing to that church. He says, let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up.
Next, we have the have Anna. It says here in verse 37, she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God and fasting with fasting and prayer. Pretty simple one here. The last two are pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Verse 38, it also says she began praising God. And so worshiping well, waiting well, means worshiping selflessly. Third thing, okay? These three things you can absolutely do in the middle of any season that you're waiting for and anything that you think, if I just get to the next thing, it's going to be better. And you say, what do I do right now? Here's three things so far. Worship selflessly. We find that even in the midst of her waiting and knowing that a Messiah was coming, that he's not there yet, that she was so committed and devout that she stayed there day and night. Even, even the high priest who went into the holiest of holies did not sleep at the temple, did not stay at the temple. This could be hyperbole. It could be like, like Harker said one time when Chris first started working, he said, I'm going to go to the church where Chris lives. All right, because he felt like every time he came here, Chris was here. Chris did not live here, but it, he felt like it because he was here all the time. And so this was like, this was what Luke was saying about Anna. She was at the temple so much day and night, not the Messiah wasn't there. It was darkness for the nation of Israel. It was hopeless. There was no circumstantial reason for her to be there praising, worshiping God with fasting and prayer, but she was there selflessly she had a lot of other things she could have been doing i'm sure i mean she was a widow she could have been down to the fishing docks trying to find her a man she could have been doing a lot of other things but she's laying her whole life down at the altar of God and saying selflessly, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And she's doing that, not begging for something out of worship. Fasting and prayer can be a mode of worship. When she saw him, when she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, she began praising God. This was in her DNA. It's who she was. It's what she did. She began praising God. She worshipped selflessly. The final thing we see is that she praised God. Then she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. It wasn't just Anna and Simeon who were waiting it's also the whole nation of Israel. Some of them were like Harker and had been opening the sunroof. They'd not been waiting well. They'd given up. They'd given up on the temple. They'd actually got so confused about the word, they just didn't it'd been so many so many years since God had spoken that they just thought, nope, he's this he's left us, he's abandoned us. Some of them had, had, had not waited well, like the Pharisees and the, and the religious elites, that they began trying to earn their own way to God. That they made enough rules and they become so prideful in themselves and their religion 
That they couldn't even see Jesus when they looked Him in the face. That they, they sorted through all the, all the, the, the prophets and the, and the religious people that were there as if they were stones to build a building. And it says Jesus was in the middle of that and He was the chief cornerstone, but they threw Him to the side. But Anna knew who he was, and she began to tell everybody. She began to go to those who were waiting expectingly for God to come rescue Jerusalem. And she began to tell them. So the fourth thing we can do when we wait well is sharing. It means sharing generously. Now I want to extrapolate a little bit here. She is sharing in words is what we hear in the text. But we find that Jesus himself shared in both word and demonstration. He shared the good news. He demonstrated. He healed people. He took care of people. I'm just reminded here of his words of saying, Those you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. That even in the middle of waiting for our own circumstances to change, we're called to share generously. That means both in word and the truth of the gospel, but also in demonstration of the gospel. What does that mean? Well, the gospel's good news, and so you can be good news to your neighbor. All right? You feed them, you check on them when they're lonely, you can be good news uh, to your, your other students, you can be good news to your, your, your teachers, your principals, your, your boss, you can be good news to the people that work with you or for you. You can demonstrate the gospel. So, as we wrap this up, what I want you to think about. These four things, waiting well means we grow spiritually, we serve faithfully, worship selflessly, we share generously. Sounds a lot like kind of the basic tenets of Christianity, doesn't it? That our discomfort of not having the circumstances we desire in life is not an excuse to be stagnant, to forget that we're called to be growing, serving, worshiping, sharing. So as you think about this, I was thinking about it, and this is really the, the heart of my message this morning. Well, we may have convinced ourselves that we're simply waiting for circumstances to change in our life for the next season, the next vacation, the next promotion, you know, the, the next whatever that thing is. I'm gonna, you're going to find that the waiting never ends. I remember waiting to get my driver's license, waiting to get a vehicle, waiting to graduate high school, waiting to go to college, waiting to graduate college, waiting to get married. Actually, I got married before I graduated college, got those out of order. They were perfect. Waiting to have kids, right? Waiting to get a career, and then you retire, and you've got kids, and then guess what? Your kid eventually turns 14, and you're waiting for them to get their driver's license. You're waiting for them to graduate high school. And you're waiting for them to get a job and get a career. And you're waiting for them to retire. And you're waiting for them to have kids. And you're like, this feels eerily familiar. See, I've waited for all these next steps. And, and fulfillment has never come. And what this is is just the, the flesh. We're, we're, we're hungry for something deeper. 
But, but this is the flesh falling into the human trap of trying to find security and fulfillment on this side of heaven. You see, God placed eternity in your heart and mine. Eternity. And we keep idolizing the creation, thinking if we just get to this next chapter of life, it's going to be like heaven. And it's not. And that deep desire that we have is really pointing to something, something bigger, something deeper. It is, it is hungry for the flesh to return to the way that God designed it in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. It's like, man, I just want to be in the Garden of Eden where the food's good and it's just like, it's perfect. Yet we live in a sinful, broken world. We're really waiting for and longing for home. Things to return to the way they were before the fall. The way they originated. See, Anna and Simeon knew with Jesus' entrance onto the scene that they would begin to get a glimpse of God's kingdom being restored. We get a glimpse through the church. We get a glimpse through one another and loving one another. But we're really hungry for the kingdom that is to come. That at some point God is going to fulfill all this once and for all. And there will be no more waiting. We will be like Simeon who eventually has waited through the darkness. And the sun has risen. Christ has come back. We are in heaven with him. There is no more waiting to see lost loved ones again. There's no more waiting for, for health reports to come back. There's no waiting for us to get through this addiction we're struggling with. There's no wait for our families to get through it. There's no wait for restoration of relationships. All the waiting is over. They were so confident. We can be so confident in this promise that we can wait well. I remember years ago when I first started preaching, uh, there, there was, and you all have heard this a lot, I've, I've said it, and, and people will use this when they're evangelizing. They'll say things like, what if you, well, you, know, what if you die tonight? What if you die today? Fair question. Jesus, in his parable, he says, this very night your soul could be demanded of you. Simeon kind of hints at this when he says to, to Mary and Joseph, he says, your son Jesus, he's going to call me in Israel to do two things. They're going to rise or they're going to fall. There was no middle ground. There was no middle ground with the acceptance of Jesus. Either, either you are 100% in or you're almost persuaded, which is 100% out. <laughs> right? It was that simple. He said it. But that's not the only message that Jesus brought. I remember uh, I was preaching. I was reading all these passages of Scripture that Jesus has called to the church to love one another, to be active in the community, to be present. His kingdom on earth, His will be done. And I remember thinking, man, that mindset of just that, what if you die today, causes extreme complacency and points everything toward me. 
And that if I got my heart where I, with God, that's all I got to do and I'm good. And yet God calls us into this place and I started to think, what if I don't die today? And what if God's got purpose for me today? What if God's got purpose for me and my neighbor and this town and this place? And I, I just become self, like just looking at myself and saying, well, I just don't want to die today. What if you don't die today? Well, what, what if you do? He blessed them. He said to Mary, the baby's mother, he said, The child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He's been sent as a son from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, I want you to know your deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Romans 8, 23 says, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Hey, man, is that good? But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. I'm going to ask the worship team... To come up. Could I say you're just an amazing preacher? Oh, no, no. You can say it, but it's not true. The scripture, Jesus Christ, is amazing. Okay? Mary and Joseph, Mary who, had, mar who, who had, had seen the angel, who had told her what Jesus was going to be, still stood here and marveled. The very mother of God, of Jesus, the mother, mother of Jesus marveled. She was amazed at what Simeon was saying. As, a, as we get ready to close here this morning, you really are in, are in two boats. You're in two places. One, you're either, you're either all in on Jesus and you've given his, your whole life to him. And, and to you, I say, what if you don't die today? <laughs> all right? I say, God has got purpose for you. You're created to do. Uh, you were, you're his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. You were prepared in advance to do. He prepared good stuff for you to do. Don't grow weary in well-doing. You will reap what you sow. This is, this is all pointing to that while we're waiting on heaven, there's plenty to do. All right? Is it broken around you? The homeless people dying? In cold weather around us? Are there addicts looking for a place for a hope that they can't find? There's plenty to do. There's hungry. There's plenty to do. This morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, it's this simple. You, he's going to cause you to either rise or fall. There's no middle ground. There's just no middle ground. I, I want you to go beyond just the, the mental cognition that, yeah, I know Jesus. I want you to give your whole life to Him. I want you to surrender everything to Him.
as we pray and we get ready to sing Heavenly Father we pray for your spirit in this place we pray for your strength inside of our hearts inside of our souls inside of this church inside of each and every believer here God that we could wait well that we could be faithful in the way that, that, that we, the way we serve you faithfully that we, we could be faithful uh, in the way that we grow spiritually hungered for you. We, we, could be, we could be faithful, Lord, as we worship you selflessly, as we share generously. We just pray that you make your kingdom known here in Pikeville. That your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we lay our lives and our heart and our church down for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Faith Life. Faith Life is a ministry of New Beginnings Fellowship Church located in Pipeville, Kentucky. You can find us on the web at www.nbfc.church or look for us on Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to Faith Life Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and download each weekly episode. Join us next week as Pastor Gerald Arnett delivers the 10th message in our series entitled Tween Jesus. Again, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week as we walk the faith life.